Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I am presenting a series of broadcasts on the subject of prayer, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcasts, I have been talking about the subject of prayer from a very unique point of view. In most cases, people are presenting the subject of prayer or talking about the subject of prayer, encouraging people to pray on the basis of speaking to their God, reaching out to Him and making appeals to their God with hopes that their God may move His hand for their benefit or for the benefit of someone else, that perhaps a miracle could occur, for example, on their behalf in response to their prayer. Or perhaps a blessing could be received from their God, a type of miracle, but not necessarily considered to be so much of a miracle, but just a simple blessing that may be incorporated within their life in order to make their lives much more pleasant. These are the kinds of things that many people are focusing on. Many people are focusing on the subject of prayer in the context of, or in terms of, making appeals to God, making requests of God, with hopes that they might be able to receive something from their God. That tends to be the focus of many people's prayers. But in the previous broadcasts, I've been talking about the subject not in terms of trying to obtain something from God, but instead to be thinking of prayer or the subject of prayer in the context, perhaps, of listening to their God, to hear what he might have to say to them instead of being so concerned with or being so preoccupied with thinking about what they are going to say to him. Consider instead what he might have to say to you. This is a completely different focus when considering the subject of prayer to be listening to your God instead of being preoccupied with what you think you might say to him in order to try to move his hand or to motivate him to do something on your behalf. Instead, to be thinking about prayer in terms of what he might have to say to you. In light of this perspective of prayer, many people will then respond to me with concern with regards to not hearing from their God. When people consider the concept of prayer being more an act of listening as opposed to an act of speaking, I'm not wanting to discount the idea of speaking to your God. I do believe that this is an interactive relationship that we do have with our Creator, without question. But to ignore our God by not providing Him an opportunity to speak to us, by not listening to Him, that's something that I'm very much concerned about. We should not be ignoring our God by being preoccupied with what we might have to say, but at least give him an opportunity in the quietness of our time to consider listening to him and consider what he might have to share with us. But in light of this, many people are asking me a very interesting question, and that is, are they saved if they are not hearing from their God? In many cases, people are not hearing or do not believe that they are hearing from their God, from their Creator, who they believe that they have a relationship with, and so when they are not hearing from Him, they are considering, maybe even assuming, that perhaps they might not be saved. This is a very understandable reaction when we consider the idea of hearing from our God, if that is to be an important part of our relationship with Him, 
If a person is not hearing from him, then perhaps they don't have a relationship with their God. Maybe they're not born again of the Spirit. Maybe they are not saved. This is a distinct possibility, and I certainly don't want to rule it out, but I don't want to suggest it in terms of this is something that you really need to seriously consider, because I would sincerely assume that if someone is reaching out to their God, if they really want to know who He is, if they really want to experience a relationship with the Lord Jesus, then I would consider them to be saved. That is an indication to me that a person is saved. They may very well be confused about many things. They may be confused about what they have or what they don't have in Christ Jesus. They may have been taught a number of things that are simply not true, and perhaps that is what they are believing, and it is because of what they are believing that they are confused with respect to their relationship with their God. This is a perfectly reasonable explanation that they may very well be born again of the Spirit, but they are burdened down by many things that they are believing that simply are not true. This is certainly a very realistic explanation when you consider many things that are being taught out there in Christianity today. When considering the subject of salvation, it is very easily explained when you consider what salvation is. In most cases, people's understanding of salvation is the forgiveness of sins. That's what's predominantly taught. Many people are teaching that if you receive the forgiveness of sins that has been provided to you through Christ Jesus on the cross, then you are saved. If you're willing to appropriate that, invite him into your life, declare him to be your Lord, pursue him and rely on him as though he is the Lord of your life, then in that way you will be saved. And I'm not willing to say that that's wrong. What I am going to say, however, is that it is very much incomplete. The forgiveness of sins is very important in salvation, but it certainly is not salvation. Salvation has to do with the resolution or the solution to the problem that was defined in Genesis between our God and us, between God and mankind. The problem that was expressed there was certainly that sin had entered into the world. Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree. They violated the law of God. That was a sin that was committed against their God. And all who have been born in this world after Adam and Eve committed this sin have been born in their image. That is a sinful image. And because of that, we are committing sin against our God. That is a true basic description of the problem of humanity, the problem that we have between us and our God. However, that wasn't all that was described there. There was something much more important that occurred when that violation took place in the Garden of Eden, and that was a spiritual death that the presence of God that had been breathed within Adam and Eve was withdrawn. They once had the Spirit of God indwelling within them that was breathed within them when they became spiritually alive, and that life was withdrawn from within them when they violated the law to pursue the knowledge of good and evil with hopes that in that way they would be able to live as God intended them to live, to function as God intended them to function. And when they made that decision... Our God withdrew his presence from within them, which was absolutely necessary for them to function as God created them to function, but their choice was to try and live their life independently of him, which required him to withdraw the presence of his spirit from indwelling within them so that they would be left to their own devices, to their own pursuits, to their own determination, to their own conviction to try and live as God created them to live. And so what we had was we had a spiritual death that had occurred in the Garden of Eden. And everyone who has been born in Adam and Eve have been born spiritually dead without the presence of the Holy Spirit and dwelling within them. 
And that is the reason why we have indwelling sin, why we have a propensity to sin, why we pursue sin, because we don't have anything else to rely on. We don't have anything else to pursue when we are lost, when we are first born into this world without the presence of the spirit of life, the spirit of God indwelling within us. We have no choice but to pursue fulfillment in the deepest part of who we are in the world that is at our disposal. And when we do that, that leads us to sin. And so there were two fundamental problems that needed to be resolved between us and our Creator. The first one was the sin problem, and that certainly is a very important problem. And that was a problem that our God resolved through the Lord Jesus dying for the forgiveness of the sins of the world when He died on the cross 2,000 years ago. When that occurred, He died for the sins of the entire world, clearing the deck so that there is no sin that is an issue or that is a concern or that is a barrier between anyone and their Creator. But that certainly was not going to solve the entire problem. That made it possible for us to be saved. Salvation is then what we are able to receive in response to or as a result of the forgiveness that we have all received. Salvation is then the restoration of the spirit of life that had been lost in Adam and Eve, and that is receiving the Spirit of God, the very Holy Spirit, to indwell within us, within our inner being, within our very person, and through receiving His Spirit and dwelling within us, we are then resurrected from the dead, we are then given the very life of God, we are born again by the Spirit of God, and given that there is no sin that is going to be held against us, that life will now remain within us permanently, eternally, because there is no sin that can ever cause that life to leave us again. Therefore, we have an eternal life, an everlasting life, the very presence of the life of God indwelling within us that will never be lost. And so on that basis, because of what the Lord Jesus did for us on the cross, we have salvation if we receive the gift of the life of God that has been presented to us, and that life will never be lost because there is no sin left unforgiven that will cause that life to leave. So understand, if you have received this life, if you have received what the Lord your God has offered to you as a result of the Lord Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection, if you have received that, you are saved. That is the very definition of salvation. And so understand, if you have received the very Holy Spirit within you, then you are saved and you have the presence of God indwelling within you. But what do you think he's doing there? Why do you think he is there? Why was it that the Lord Jesus provided for us the Spirit of life, the very Spirit of God, to indwell within us? Well, this was explained very well in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9-14. through 14. And so I'd like to read through this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. The Apostle Paul wrote, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual 
But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Again, consider in verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by our God. I was explaining this in the previous broadcasts on the subject of prayer, that we are to know the things that we already have, that we are to rest in and trust in the things that we have already been given. But instead, most people are preoccupied with trying to ask him for many things, most of which he probably never came to give and never will give, never will present. These are things that many people are asking out of the desires of their own flesh, out of the desires of their sinful nature, out of their desire to want to experience peace and joy and harmony in their own life experience, and yet these are things that will never provide for that, and they are rejecting those very things that the Lord their God has already given to them. This is a very important issue when it comes to our prayer life, is that we are to consider what we have already been given. We are to believe in what we have already been given. And this has been described as an inheritance that we have received as a result of his death, described as the very will of God in our life, the very will of God being the description of an inheritance of all the things that we have been given. And truly, he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, which means he did not leave anything out. And so in most cases, when people are burdened by feeling that they do not have what they need, it is generally because they have no idea what they truly need, what they truly need to have for this life that they are living. They are seeking from their God things that he never came to give by rejecting the very things that he did come to give, the very things that would meet the deepest needs within our very being, within our heart, within our spirit, within the very core of who we are. And through meeting those very needs, he subsequently will transform our desires. He will transform who we are to be conformed into his image so that our life becomes a reflection of a dependency on him and a life of peace and trust. That is what we are to experience. This was well described in John chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. In John chapter 14, beginning in verse 26, the Lord Jesus said, But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That is the most important thing that we are to consider is the peace of God, the peace of the Lord Jesus that he has given to us as a result of everything that he has already done for us and everything that he's already given to us. If you are anxious about anything, then let your requests be made known to God by all means. But understand that through your prayer, you are to then acknowledge and understand that he has truly given you everything for life and godliness. Let those burdens be known. Don't feel shy about that at all. But at the end of your prayer to him, sit down quietly and listen to him and be at peace because that is what he has given to you. He has given you peace through what he has already given to you in what he has accomplished for you and who he is in your life. He is indwelling within you. He is there with you. He is going to live your life with you. You are going to experience his life indwelling within you. And in this interactive relationship that you have, you are going to be able to experience the very peace of God in your life. And so regardless of what prayers you may present to him, 
regardless of what appeals you may make to your God, the most important thing to focus on in the context of prayer is not what you hope to obtain, but to rest in what you have already been given. And so when people are concerned about not hearing from their God, they're concerned about not getting their prayers answered or perhaps their questions answered. Perhaps they are not getting the kind of understanding that they are requesting. It's probably because they are not resting in what they have already received. It is probably because they are not understanding what he has clearly revealed. If you're in a space in your life, if you're in a space with your relationship with your God, with the Lord Jesus, if you're in a condition where you do not feel that you are hearing from him, it might very well be because you are not really resting in and considering and living your life or believing in the truths that he has already revealed to you, that he has already shared with you. It could be that some of those things that you considered before you rejected, and yet they were things that were not to be rejected. Understand that there are many things that the Lord Jesus will reveal to us that will be built on other things. Let me give you an example. It's very difficult for a person to really understand the subject of law and grace if they are not resting in the truth that they have been completely forgiven of their sins. If a person does not believe that the forgiveness issue, that the sin issue between them and their God is completely over, that there is no more forgiveness that is going to be executed on their behalf in any way whatsoever, then they're not going to be able to enter into the subject of law and grace and understand the depths of it. There's no way that that's going to happen. It is going to be very difficult for a person to really understand and grow in the depths and the knowledge of what it means when the Lord Jesus said that it is the grace of God that will teach us to say no to ungodliness. It's going to be very difficult to understand that if a person has not grown in a rudimentary understanding of the subject of law and grace. There are transitions that a person experiences in their relationship with their God as they grow in the knowledge and understanding of their creator. And so there are many things that the Lord Jesus may want to share with you. There are many things that he wants to tell you. There are many answers that he wants to share with you with regards to your questions. But in most cases, I would venture to say that they depend on your understanding of other things first. And so you are to rest in him, you are to trust in him, and understand and believe that if he's not sharing something with you that you want him to share with you, it is probably because there are other things that he wants to share with you first. There are other things that he wants to work with you on. And don't reject the truth that he will complete the work that he began in you, and he will grow you as he sees fit, and he will share things with you in the ways that he wants to share them with you, and in the timing that he wants to share things with you. And in the meantime, in the meantime, when you are waiting and growing and learning to apply those things that he has shared with you, in the meantime, just continue to pursue him. Pursue him in the context of look to what he has already said. Look into the scriptures and look to see what he has already said to you about who you are, about what you have received, and walk in your daily life in response to what he has already given to you. Consider what he said to his disciples in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 13. This is John chapter 16, beginning in verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, 
But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will tell you things that once were, he will tell you things that are, and he will tell you of things to come. He is there, he is there and dwelling within you. And just as the Lord Jesus was referring to things that they could not understand right away, today he is still reaching out to you, wanting you to understand that there are many things that he would like to share with you, but you simply cannot bear them now. But he will share those things with you in time. Have patience with him and trust him. Trust your God to share with you those things that you are able to bear, that you are able to grow with. And do not consider the gap in time between these moments when he shares things with you as being a measure of how much of a Christian you are. Do not even consider such things. The Lord our God spoke with Abraham only a few times. The Lord our God spoke with Noah only a few times. And so if the Lord your God only speaks with you once or twice in your lifetime, do not consider yourself to be anything less than a true believer of your God. Rely on Him and trust in Him and understand that He will speak to you on a regular basis in many ways that you may not even consider. Just the simple understanding that you cannot understand the things of God without the Spirit of God indwelling you gives you a wonderful opportunity to see Him speaking to you in ways that perhaps you may have ignored, in ways that you just simply didn't notice. As I described in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 through 14, that was 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 through 14, that you cannot understand the things of your God without His Spirit indwelling within you. And so when you find yourself listening to Him, praying to Him, when you find yourself reading the Scriptures and something is simply illuminated to you, a revelation is given to you about what something means, that is your God speaking to you. Just through something as simple as that, that is even greater than what Noah experienced. That is greater than what Abraham experienced. He may have been told about the destruction that was going to befall Sodom and Gomorrah, but he could not understand the depths of the heart and the very character of his God as his God would love and accept him and provide him with meaning and understanding in the life that he was living. That is something that can only truly be experienced now through the restoration of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling within you. And so do not discount these things. These are spiritual things. They are spiritually discerned, and they address the issues of your spirit, not your flesh, the issues of your spirit, the very depth of who you are as a person. And it is there that you will experience the true peace of God through your prayer with Him. What do you want your focus to be in your prayer life? Do you want your focus to be, O Lord God, please give us a better economy. O Lord, please put righteous people in office, those who will follow your laws and be obedient to you. O Lord, give me a better job. O Lord, give me a better car. O Lord, my God, please heal me of this physical infirmity that will potentially take my life or heal someone else who is experiencing great physical trauma. My friend, I do not want to discourage you from praying for these things. I do want to encourage you to pray for these things, but not at the expense, not at the exclusion of those things you should truly be focusing on. 
Your relationship with your God is not an opportunity to give you power in this world to find some way to encourage your God or to direct your God to do things on your behalf or even on his behalf. That is not to be the focus of your prayer life. The main focus of your prayer life is to experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, this is Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and verse 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that is what prayer is. That is the purpose of prayer. That is to be your focus in your life of prayer. It is to be the pursuit of the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. This is only going to be experienced when you understand what you already have in Him. This is only going to be experienced when you live a life of trust in Him, a life of dependency on Him. A life of rest and peace will be experienced through your life of prayer when you understand what your God is doing in your life, that He is increasing your understanding of who He is, increasing it to the extent where He will surpass your understanding, that the peace that you will experience with Him cannot even be described. That is where your life in Christ Jesus is to be found. It is to be found in the spiritual connectivity between you and your God well beyond what could even be described. This is not to exclude what you can describe, most certainly. If someone asks you for the hope that lies within you or the faith that you hold on to, you most certainly should be able to describe that in clear terms that they can understand. But the focus of prayer... Our life of prayer is to lead us to a dependent relationship on our Creator to the extent where it cannot be described, and the end result is to be peace. And so if what you experience in your life of prayer is not peace, if you are not at peace, if you are anxious, if you are not trusting, if you are not experiencing the peace of God in your experience, chances are there is something wrong with your prayer life. And it's probably because you do not know what you already have in your relationship with Him, and that is where you are to begin in your life of prayer. My friend, do not underestimate the power of these truths. These are the truths of God that He has revealed through His gospel, and they will totally transform everything about who you are. Pursue Him and grow in your knowledge and understanding of who He is and be at peace. I do sincerely pray that you will come to know and understand truly everything that you have received in Christ Jesus, your Lord. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937 or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,